And if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I know that this is the time of the year. What we celebrate this time of the year is the coming of Christ into the world. I know his, he wasn't born on December the 25th. The, probably the obvious time would be October. I know there's some debate about maybe even April, but we know there had to be shepherds in the field. So it wasn't in the middle of winter, so we do know that. I'd go probably around October, but it could have been, it, some believe it could have been April or somewhere around there, but we know it had to be in a warmer month. But let us remember, we don't actually know the date that he come, but what we do set aside is the day to commemorate his birth into this world, that God becoming flesh. Ain't you glad to know that he came this morning? Ain't you glad to know that he's coming again? Amen. But the next time he comes, he ain't come as a baby in a manger. Amen. He ain't going to come as a baby in a manger. He's going to come as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's look a little bit in this Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world shall be taxed. And the taxing was first made when Cyrus was the governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And on Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And it was so that while they were there, the days that they were accomplished, that she should be delivered and she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end I want to go back into right there in verse 7 and she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end I, I want to speak to you this morning on the thought of the baby that was laying in that manger the baby that was laying in that manger. Heavenly Father, we come before you, dear God, today, Lord, and we lift you up, dear God, this morning, Lord, and we exalt you, dear God, today, Lord. Uh, Father, today we pray for your anointing, and we pray for you to just touch, dear God. Uh, Lord, today, Lord, I pray for you to just pour your blessings out, dear God. Uh, pour your anointing out, dear God, Lord. Give me the words you would have me to speak, O oh God, today, Father, Lord. Uh, Lord, today we ask God for you to just touch, dear God, Lord, and we ask God for you to bless, dear God. Uh, have your way, dear Lord, in here today, Lord, and we give you honor, God. We give you praise, and we give you honor for it all. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen and amen. Uh, here in just a few short days, we will be celebrating Christmas. Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, this time of the year is already here upon us, that a whole, almost a whole 12 months uh, have passed, and we're getting ready to start the 
cycle all over again. Um, it's probably most people's probably the favorite time of the year, and I'm not talking about the commercialization of it. I'm just talking about the atmosphere of it. Um, but let me tell you, I, it, not most of us like to see maybe the Christmas lights, and, and most of us like me and mother, <laughs> we like to get presents too. Amen. <laughs> Am I right on that? <laughs> but listen, uh, in all of that, and yes, even the snow makes this time wonderful. Hopefully in the morning we'll see a couple inches of snow. But listen, it makes a wonderful scenery to see the lights um, and see the decorations and see the snow on the ground. Um, but despite all of that, uh, that's not what we celebrate uh, this coming Christmas Day. Um, let us understand this morning what Christmas is not about, first and foremost. Um, it's not about the lights. It's not about the presents that you purchase from Walmart, uh, but it is about a present. Uh, it is about the one that they call Jesus. Um, and let me tell you, it's not about uh, Santa Claus this morning. Uh, ain't it a shame more kids know about Santa Claus than they know about Jesus today? Um, let me tell you, it's not about elves this morning. It's not about eight tiny reindeer this morning. And even though I look forward to that dressing affair tonight at the fire hall and the gathering together affair, it's not about Christmas parties uh, this morning either. Um, so what is about, to be honest with you, let me just start out and say I believe that we have over-commercialized Christmas, to be honest with you. I, I believe it to many today, it's not the many merchants and stores, it's nothing more than a time to make money. And that's what it is all about in the secular society. It is a time for merchants to make money and there's nothing wrong with that Make it because you got to make money to stay in business. But yet this is what they push and push and this is what the purpose of Christmas has become to them. And we've lost the true meaning of Christmas. Most people have no idea what the true meaning of Christmas is all about. The true meaning of Christmas is when we come to commemorate and celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ into this world. I've always told you, and I'll say it again this morning, uh, you can have Christmas without the trees. Uh, you can have Christmas without the Christmas parties and the gatherings. Uh, you can have Christmas without the presents uh, and the lights and even the snow. Uh, but you can never have Christmas uh, without Jesus Christ this morning. Uh, you can never truly celebrate Christmas uh, without the coming of Christ. Uh, and right here in Luke 2, we see uh, the fulfillment we see the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ into this world. You see, the Bible is the story of Jesus Christ. From Genesis to Revelation, there is one central theme that is found throughout the Scripture. It is not the story of mankind, even though we're told about man. It's not the story of angels. Very little is told about, you know. But it is the story of Jesus Jesus Christ. It is the, the central theme from Genesis to Revelation is Jesus Christ. In fact, the Old Testament is Jesus concealed and the New Testament is Jesus revealed. Throughout the Old Testament, you can see prophecies of the coming Messiah. You can see prophecies of how the prophets of old would testify that a Messiah would come. In fact, the very first prophecy of Jesus coming 
into this world is found right back in the earliest parts of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15. God told us right there that they would be a redeemer that was coming into the world. And I will put infamy between thee and thy woman and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise, he shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. Who did God speak those words to? God spoke those words to Satan after the fall of man. You see, due to the fall of man Man, man was separated from God. Man could have no fellowship with God. Sin was in. And sin is a barrier to the life of an individual between man and God. How many know this morning that someone in sin cannot have a relationship with God? They can't have fellowship with God. You can see it right here in Genesis 3. Genesis after the fall. At a point in the day before the fall, guess what? God would come down and he would have fellowship with Adam and Eve. But once they fell, the fellowship was literally broken. They were no longer coming under fellowship. They were coming under the judgment of God. So what I'm trying to say this morning is a fallen man cannot have fellowship with God. Someone that lives in open sin cannot have fellowship with God. Someone that spews lies out of their mouth all the time cannot have fellowship with God. Someone that is full of pride and arrogance cannot have fellowship with God. Someone that's living like hell, living in adultery, doing these things cannot have fellowship with God because sin is a barrier to the work, to the, re, to the fellowship between God and man. How many know God? Adam broke that and Eve broke that fellowship when they done that which God told them not to do and it brought that barrier but God then told they begin to blame that Adam said he blamed the wife then he blamed the serpent and God said you all to blame you know what I'm talking about he told Adam yeah I give you the commitment he didn't go to Eve he went to Adam but he also didn't leave Eve off the hook the Bible said as Eve was disobeyed. But oh my Lord, you women want to know why your birth, child birthing is so bad? Just to go and talk to Eve. But right here, you know, we know he got told the serpent and the serpent would go on the belly for the rest of its days. And listen, right here Jesus, the Lord was talking to the devil. He was talking to Satan. He said, I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to send some Someone. I'm going to come down and I'm going to take the form of man and I'm going to be the atonement for this sin. I'm going to be the sacrifice of sin. We'll get here in just a minute, but let me tell you, how many know that there's no human being that could be the sacrifice? It had to be God coming down. There's not one under my voice this morning that could pay the price for their sin. How many know that this morning? I couldn't pay the price for it. Why? Because after Adam and Eve fell, every child that has been born was born in sin. So it would take 
a virgin birth. It would take God coming down to her level. And oh my Lord, when I begin to study the scripture, I begin to see the prophecies of Jesus come alive through the Old Testament. In fact, Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. By the name Iway, the word name Emmanuel simply means God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, a man named Isaiah, a prophet named Isaiah told King Ahaz that a time was coming when a virgin would conceive and his name would be Emmanuel. Never before had that happened and never before will that happen again. If a virgin tells you that they they didn't do nothing to get pregnant, you better look at them and laugh. Did you hear what I'm telling you? Because they're telling you a lie this morning. They ain't been but one virgin birth and they won't be but one virgin birth. And that was the coming of Christ into this world. That was a one-time deal, if you will. Oh, yeah, Isaiah, he would prophesy of the coming Messiah. In fact, in the scriptures of Isaiah alone, he has 55 prophecies concerning the coming of Jesus Christ into the world. And I looked, read this other day, and it just blowed my mind. And the odds of them coming true just in Isaiah alone were 1 in 36 quadrillion, 29 trillion, 779 billion, 18 million, 963,968. And this is just the prophecies of Isaiah alone to one. But yet Jesus fulfilled them in his coming. And this does not include the 332 prophecies that are given by the major prophets in the Old Testament. And and I read the number. I can't even pronounce the number. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's one in a number that I can't even pronounce. That just tells you how high the number is right there. But yet Jesus has fulfilled these things about his first coming. And yet let me tell you, there's still prophecies to be fulfilled about his second coming. And let me remind you, if he fulfilled those about the first coming to the T and the dot, no doubt the rest of these things will come to pass. If you would read to buy you, you turn on your news, you could see the Bible is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. The prophecies are there. The prophecies are being fulfilled. We see the signs of the time. And knowing that Jesus is getting ready to come for his church again. Knowing the time of Jacob's trouble is right on the horizon. Oh my Lord, I look 
at those numbers. I, I said there ain't but one that could fulfill those numbers. I, and it was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I, and right here in Luke chapter 2, I, we see the fulfillment I, of the coming of Christ. I, we see the fulfillment I, of Jesus getting ready, coming I, the first time right there. Oh, in that manger right here in Luke, what we see is God that was in the flesh. Oh, in John chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Right there in John chapter 1 and verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me just stop here and tell you that Jesus Christ was just not a mere man. Jesus Christ is fully God, just as he was fully man. How many know that? Even today. <coughs> Even this morning, there are many that would say that Christ was created. Christ was not created. He was there from the very beginning. There was nothing that was created without him this morning. In fact, there were three that bear record from the beginning. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And it was the Word that took on flesh. It was the Word that took on the form of man. It was the Word uh, right there. So what are you saying? I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is as much God as God the Father and God the Holy Ghost. How many know that? It's called the Godhead, the Trinity of God. But the Word became flesh and laying in that manger, laying right there. It wasn't just another baby. It wasn't just another king. Let me tell you, laying in that manger right there was God in the flesh. He was God in the flesh, came down to our level right there, laying in that manger on that morning uh, when he that day he was born uh, they didn't have no room for him so they placed him in a manger and what they had laid who they laid eyes on uh, was more than just a man uh, I mean he's going to see a grandchild or a child born uh, you know it's the most precious thing you could see uh, but let me tell you laying in that manger was the greatest of greatest did you hear me uh, it was the greatest one of them all uh, it was God coming down uh, to our level, taking on the form of flesh. He knew we could not work his way our way up to him. The law showed us that no man could keep the law. No man could work their way up to the level of God. But let me tell you in that manger showed us that God had came down to our level. God came down to where we was. Did you hear me? He came down to be the atoning sacrifice for man listen let me tell you he didn't come down to look like an ornament I'm going somewhere I ain't even really got started yet he didn't come down to be just something to be rocked and cradled he didn't come down to say for people to say oh how cute hey man to me often the only thing people know about Jesus they put him in a manger today he came down for a purpose. What did he come down for? That baby that was lying in that manger came down to be slain. The whole purpose for him to be born was to be slain. Did you hear me?
The whole purpose for him to be born was to go to that cross, to be the sacrifice. Think about the scripture, what the scripture says. And Revelation 13 and 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose name are not written in the Lamb's book of life, and the written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In Isaiah 53 and 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, he is brought forth as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you that he is the Lamb of God. John chapter 1 verses 29 and 36 presents Jesus Christ as the Lamb and the lamb come for a purpose and it was to be slaughtered for you and I he came to be the sacrifice that we don't have to live in the bondage of sin that we don't have to be bound up by sin this morning how many know that he came where a man could be born again he came where a man could have a changed life let me tell you the moral is more interesting and doing something they're more interested and rehabilitating why Christ is wanting to transform some lives. How many know the Bible says he that is in Christ is a new creation. That's the reason the Bible talks about being born again. Think about it this morning. He is the Lamb of God. And in that manger was the Savior of the world. I want you to know it didn't come through the Pope. Hello, Roman Catholicism is not Christianity to begin with. They pray to dead saints, that's contrary to Scripture. They pray to the Pope, contrary to Scripture. They worship Mary, that is contrary to Scripture. You know, you'll see them glorifying Mary. But what about Joseph? It took a man of God to raise another youngin' as his own. That wasn't his. Hey Amen. Hey Amen. He don't get talked about as much. In fact, it was her firstborn, Jesus was. If you'll read on, she had more children. Jesus had half brothers and half sisters. Hey Amen. So she's not a virgin. Hello. There wasn't but one virgin birth, and that was Christ. She was a virgin at the birth of Christ. After that, the other children were not by virgin birth. Let's get that cleared up this morning. Listen, right there was the Savior of the world. And only Jesus is the Savior of the world. Hey man, Muhammad is not God. Buddha is not God. Allah is not God. The Pope is not God. Mary is not God. Did you hear me? None of them is God. But Jesus Christ is God this morning. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh this morning. Jesus Christ is still God this morning. Oh, this political wrecked world. We ought to coexist. No, we can't coexist. Anybody ever seen that bumper sticker, coexist? All the symbols of religion. Let me tell you, the majority of them symbols on there ain't nothing but a bunch of garbage. There ain't but one that will change a man's life, and that's the cross of Calvary. Hey, man, let me tell you, I ain't got nothing in common with Islam. Uh-oh. Sorry, Rick Warren. I don't have nothing in common with Islam. 
If you don't know who Rick Warren is, he wrote The Purpose Driven Life. I'll just tell you that book's a bunch of garbage. I'll tell you that right now. And he's the one that's trying to bring Christians and Muslims together under the form of Islam. No such thing. I can't come together. <coughs> I can't come together with Buddhists. I can't go in the interfaith movement. Uh-oh, you hear about these interfaith movements where they come together. You can't come together. They're not all on equal ground. They ain't but one that's God. And it's Jesus Christ right there. We don't come, to, we don't celebrate Muhammad. Hello, I want you to know what's going on today. You want to see what Muhammad's all about? Look at all these killings. Hello, did you hear what happened in Pensacola, Florida just a couple of days ago? Maybe a week or so ago on that Navy base? Guess who they were? They were a bunch of people in the name of Allah. Shoot, shot them that people on that Navy base. Some of them are missing, by the way. They don't know where they went. Be careful. In New Jersey, that went through that Jewish village. Muslims again. Amen. Oh, the religions, false religions, are of the devil this morning. Hello. Oh, I'm about ready to preach something. I'm not on where I need to go yet. But I'm on to something right here. I'm about ready to ruffle some feathers. Roman Catholicism is not a Christ either. Uh-oh, am I quiet on that? Roman Catholicism is not of Christ. It is false. How would you like to have to come to me and confess your sins? Be good sermon material. <laughs> Maybe blue blackmail material. <laughs> Hold it over your head a little bit. I can't blot them out in heaven. Now, if you've done something to me, you know you need to come. And we need to get it worked out. That's, not what, it's, that's what the Bible says. Confess your faults one to another. Junior, me, if I've done something to you, I need, you do, or you've done something to me, I've offended you, I need to come to you. That's what it's talking about. It ain't talking about going in there telling everything. But that Catholic speech, that their priest is able to forgive their sins. They teach you can pray to Mary, and she'll answer. Mary's not going to answer you. Hello. I ain't interested in getting a prayer through Mary anyway. I ain't interested in hearing from Mary. I'm interested in hearing from Jesus. Hello. It's not that. Buddhist is not of God. I'm not just picking on one. How about, how about Mormonism? Joseph Smith is not a God. Jehovah Witnesses false teachings. Oh, they tell you that Jesus and Satan were brothers. That's what they teach. Baloney. False doctrine from the pits of hell. There was one that come by this church, come over here to the parson. Boy, they had the guts. She didn't stay long. Coming by, handing her stuff out. I said, let me have, talk to you for a minute. I started getting on to her. I said, one of the things I said, if you believe only 144,000 is going to heaven, that's talking about the Jews in the tribulation that are sealed. I said, if you believe, don't you think there's been 144,000 of y'all already gone? Throughout history. <laughs> but it's false doctrine. They deny Christ. They deny him as the Savior. Anyone who denies Christ as the Savior. As God. Is not of God. But is the spirit of the Antichrist. In this day that we're living. 
We don't want the political correctness. It's just to accept everything. I'm not going to be accepted by most people. Most people ain't going to like me at some point. I'm fine with that. Listen, as long as God loves me, I don't care if you like me or not. <laughs> Am I right on that? As long as I got God, I don't have to worry about man. But in today's political correctness statement, you got to be able to say, we all got to get along baloney. It's not all equal ground. Muhammad didn't come to be the Savior. In fact, he was inspired by Satan. You want me to tell you the story about Islam, how it come to be? Muhammad had an angel of light come up out. Even his own people knew he was demon-possessed. They said he literally began to foam out the mouth. Muhammad, their Allah, Muhammad was nothing more than a child molester in Islam. Oh, I've studied this and I've seen it. I've read about it. My Lord, you, th these things are not of God. Witchcraft is abundant in these last days that we're in. Hello, people read their horoscopes, try to get spells and stuff, and it's of the devil today. You're going to hear me after the first of the year talk about some spirits that are coming against the church. Let me give you a nugget. Jezebel is always tied to witchcraft. Hello. You can read it. We ain't going there this morning, but I'm telling you, you see what's going on in our society. There is a rejection of the truth of Jesus Christ. Churches are falling away in these days. They don't want to accept the Savior of the world. My Lord, in that manger right here in Luke, laying there in swaddling clothes, was the Savior of the world. What's the deliverer in the world? It was the one that Israel had sought but rejected. Give me a little nugget. Israel was looking for somebody to deliver them from the hands of Rome. But Jesus didn't come to deliver them from the hands of Rome. He come to deliver them from one greater than Rome. He come to deliver them from Satan. Even today, the majority of Israel has rejected him. <laughs> but the Bible says that Israel during the tribulation will come back to God. Listen what I'm telling you. Even today, they reject Jesus Christ. They reject the Savior of the world. Uh-oh, here's where we're going a little bit. See that baby there? They rejected And let me tell you the same thing's happening today. They reject Jesus. No, he's not a baby. He's got the right hand of the Father. But they're rejecting him today. They ain't got no time for him today. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them. In the end, no doubt, Joseph had inquired of the innkeeper because Mary was probably getting ready to go into labor. Some of you women that's been in the labor had a hard time. Let me give you a little nut joke right here. I, I told a woman one time, I hope she had 40 hours of labor. Guess what? She had 40 hours of labor. But can you imagine? Labor ain't no fun. There ain't no man had a child yet, and there ain't never going to be one. <laughs> but I guarantee you labor, you may look like it, but you ain't going <laughs> to. I seen you wrapping your stomach there. <laughs> Listen, some of us men may look like it, but we ain't going to give birth to one, to a child. <laughs> 
That's just impossible. God didn't create man that way. I don't care what society tries to get a hold of you. They may try to dress like a man, try to take the hormone pills, but the reality is they're still a woman. Amen? You can't change the insides. Hello? But right here, you know, Joseph had to inquire of Mary in the innkeeper because Mary was probably getting more and more. The painfulness, the contractions, I believe that's what it's called, were kicking in. She was getting ready to deliver. But yet, they were dismissed by the innkeeper. I could see the innkeeper just maybe pointing right back there as you're stable to get in. Something like that. Let me tell you, he sent them to the stable. To add to this story a little bit, I wonder how many had a room in there that could have given up the room for Mary and the birth of the Messiah. I wonder how many missed a blessing because they didn't give their room up for Christ. You ever thought about that? There was, it had to be full. It had to be full, and I guarantee they had to be loud enough for people to hear them. But there was not one that was willing to say, here, take this room. I'll give up my room and go to the stable. In essence, not just the innkeeper, but everybody in that inn was rejecting Jesus Christ. My Lord, it showed you they didn't have no kind of heart either. It shows you what sin does. Amen. My Lord, they could have had a blessing if they would have just. My Lord, I guarantee God would have blessed them exceedingly and abundantly. They'd have been willing to lay their, give up and give their place for him. But they didn't have no room. There wasn't no room for Jesus, nowhere. The innkeeper couldn't make room. Why come he couldn't have given up his room? Why come the guests couldn't have got up and give up their room for this woman that was having a baby? Not just any baby, but the Messiah. God in the flesh. They missed out on what God could have blessed them with. And I'm telling you, it's the same principle this morning. Most people do not have time for Jesus. Hello. Hello. Most people don't have time for Jesus. They can't even give him a few hours a week. Uh-oh. I'm on to something right here. It ain't hard to figure out. I like what I heard at Franklin Church of God last week. The preacher said, it ain't hard to figure out what's happening when people start missing services. For no reason at all. He said you could talk about him and say he's crazy or whatever. He said it ain't hard to figure out what's going on with people. And it's not. I, I, I jumped up and said a big amen on that. <laughs> it ain't hard to figure out. I'm not talking about sickness. I'm talking about laziness. Some people don't want to give him a bit of time. They can't give him a t few minutes a week. <laughs> Listen. They say they don't have time, but do they really? What's the really their answer? Oh, we don't have time to come to church. I'm going to call it like it is right now. I don't care who hears this, and I don't care who likes it or lumps it. I don't have time to come to church. That is a bunch of garbage. That is nothing more than hogwash. Because of who, what your priority is, you'll make time for it. Ain't it something they can't come to church? 
They can't give God a few hours a week. Some can't even give him two hours on Sunday morning. But they can sure run to the activities and make room for that. You backsliding things. Hello. Hello. I'm just telling you the truth this morning. People don't have room for Jesus. They didn't have room for him then, and they don't have room for him today. They can find a time to do what they want to do. My Lord, let me tell you, I like a ball game. I honest to goodness, do. Even though football season is sorry this year because Cowboys ain't winning. Yeah, it's a sorry season. At least the Redskins and Eagles ain't either. I take comfort in that. But I don't put it before church. Amen? I got to brag on a little boy. Little boy I used to pastor. He, they won the state title in North Carolina yesterday. 15 and yo, perfect season. Went through everything. I said, that's my boy. I told you great. I said, I'm looking forward to the day you seeing it playing for the Cowboys. <laughs> they run all over him, boys. I like a ball game. But I like being in the presence of Jehovah a whole lot better. Hey, man. Hey, man. Oh, my Lord, I like being in the presence of Jehovah. There's nothing like being in the presence of Jehovah. If you don't like being in the presence of Jehovah, something is wrong with you spiritually. And if you don't like being in the presence of Jehovah now, you ain't going to like being in the presence of him. I doubt if you're even going to get there to heaven. Hey, man, I'm about ready to say something. People may disagree with me on this, but if your faith ain't strong enough to get you together to worship him here, it's not strong enough to get you to heaven. Hello? But people ain't got no room for him here. The reality is people have no room for Jesus in that time. I've heard them say, I can't get up on Sunday mornings. You lazy thing. Guarantee you'll get up to go to the doctor. Well, why don't you get up to come to the great physician? You can get up to come go hunting at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'll be like Sawyer. I'd rather lay in bed. Let <laughs> you bring me to meet. I support hunting. Yeah, I support it. As long as I don't have to be out there at 6 o'clock in the morning killing them. <laughs> they can be up 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning to go to work. But boy, 9.30 is way too early. You're going to be snoozing when the rapture comes. Amen? It's excuses. That's all it is. It's excuses. If you want to get up, you can get up. Listen, last Sunday morning, I'll be honest with you. Went to church. I thought about it. I said, man, I'm out of town. It just hit me. The temptation hit me. You could just lay here and get you some rest and get you some sleep. I said, no, I got to get up and go to church because I preach it to them, and I need to be there. I went up and went, went to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Hey, man, listen, I know there's temptation there. I know the devil makes that bed feel comfortable. But let me tell you, everybody sings, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. Some of you, the sheets hold it down. So I'm guaranteed the grave ain't going to have no problem if the sheets can hold people down. Listen, the problem is really, in this day, there's no time for Jesus. There's no room 
for Jesus. There's no room for the Lord today. We got room for everything else but Christ. Listen, we make it, listen, here's the attitude of many. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but they don't want nothing to do with Jesus. Hello, am I right on that? I know there's a few nuts that a whole signs up wanting to go to hell. They don't know what they're talking about, huh? I've seen people said going signs hold the signs up online, said going to hell and proud. You have no idea what you're talking about. But the majority of people tell you they want to go to heaven. But yet the majority of people don't want anything to do with this Jesus. They ain't got no room for them in this end. Just like that baby right there. They didn't have no room for him in the end. A lot of people today don't have no room for him in this end. And when I'm talking about this end, I'm talking about this body, this tent that we're in. Oh, they want to go to heaven, but they don't want Jesus. Let me tell you something. You won't, let me tell you, you can't go to heaven without Jesus. If you don't, you think you're going to, without Jesus, you're going to split hell wide open. Oh, preacher, that's harsh. No, that's what Jesus said. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except by the Son. Let me tell you, political correctness, Muhammad's not going to get you to heaven. Buddha's not going to get you to heaven. Mary's not going to get you to heaven. There's neither no salvation in any other name, for there's one name that is given under heaven whereby we must be saved. I believe that's Acts 4 and 12. That's the name of Jesus. But people want to go to heaven without Jesus. Some people want to go to heaven without Jesus being Lord. You ever heard, seen somebody with an obedience problem? These people try me. They don't like to listen. I can tell who really appreciates the pastor by those who, when I ask them something, they do it. And those who don't, they do what they want to do anyway. You ain't got no respect for this pastor, and you ain't got no respect for God. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Plain and simple. That means Jesus said, Why you call me Lord and do not the things which I tell you? He had that problem too. Apparently, why would he say something like that? You call me Lord and do not the things that I tell you. <laughs> Amen. People want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. And if he's not Lord, he's not Savior. Hello. Am I right on that? We want to do whatever we want to do, live however we want to live, and think we're going to heaven. We think because we show up on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, that gets us in. You can have the best preacher in the world. I, ain't gonna, I was going to say you got him, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Oh, honest to goodness, I don't wear that kind of pride. I joke around with you, but I do not wear that kind of pride. You can sit under Jimmy Swaggart. I've heard Donnie say it many times. He knew knows there's people in his church, that church down there, that ain't right with God. Amen. I'm telling you, even in this, <laughs> baby, 
There's people in this church that may not be ready to go. I about guarantee there'll be some miss the rapture. In every church they are. Amen. There'll be some that make every service, but yet their heart's not right. They're committing all kinds of abominations during the week. They've never truly been born again. People's got religion. But religion will send you to hell. They've never been born again. Can I give you a nugget? Some people think they can get saved anytime they want to. Anybody ever heard something? You can't get saved unless the Spirit of God is drawing you. If He's not drawing you, you cannot get saved. He's got to be drawing you. Then you can call on the name of the Lord. Hello? But this dead generation really don't have room for the commandments of God. They don't have room for the Lordship of Christ. They want a Jesus that pleases their flesh. They want a Jesus. I want to tell you something. I know he's graceful. And I know he's forgiving. But it don't give you a license to sin. Paul addressed that. Shall we continue to live in sin that grace abound? God forbid not. Paul addressed that. Grace is a license not to sin. That means a lifestyle of it. Dominion over you. But now we got them thinking they can go to the bar on Sunday night. Saturday night. And on Sunday everything's going to be all right. Not scriptural. Honey. I think I'm going to overturn some tables this coming year. I'm just going to be honest with you. By next year, you'll probably be ready for me to call an overseer somewhere. I'm on one of those kicks right now. They think they can. Listen, it's not what Jesus talked. Give me a little while. I'm not preaching tonight. And I got something special for next Sunday night going to do. But people don't want Jesus as Lord. They want to do what they want to do. They don't want to pick up their cross and follow him. They don't want to surrender their will to the will of God. Something's wrong in this day. People want to walk as close to hell as they can. I want to walk as close to heaven as I can. Something's wrong. Jesus is not Lord. When the heart's filled with abomination, it's in the heart, it's coming out. How many know that? Amen. If it's in the heart, it's coming out. You can't hide nothing from God. Listen. They want Jesus, but they don't want him to tell them what to do. They don't want Jesus to turn, change their lives. But when Jesus comes into the temple, he's going to overthrow some tables. How many know what the temple is? It's not this building. It's our lives. People don't want no hunger. They ain't got no hunger for Jesus. They don't want Jesus. They want to do whatever they want. Let me tell you somebody. 
God knows who you are behind closed doors. People can fool the preacher all day long, but who you are behind closed doors is who you really are. Some people, all you got to do is look at their Facebook page and you'll see what they are. Hello. Hello. Look at their actions. You'll see who they are. He ain't Lord. They want enough to get them to heaven. That's it. They don't want to surrender themselves to Him. They don't want to commit. They want to do what they want to do. Then you got those that don't want Jesus, but they don't want to be committed to Him. There's a word that's missing in this last day. It scares me about this generation. It's faithfulness. Amen? People ain't faithful to God no more. I told somebody, I said, I work for God. Where he tells me to go, that's where I go. Where he leads me, and listen, he don't move me every six months. I'm going to get on to some Church of God preachers right here. It ain't as bad. Years ago, it used to be bad. Every six months, the same preachers would say, God told me to move here. <laughs> no, God didn't tell you to move there. Not after six months. After a couple years, I could go along with it. Years or something like that. But six months, seven months, no. No, he don't. Listen, I work with God. I go where God has me to go. I'd follow his leading. And I find out people today are not faithful like they once did. Years ago, let me tell you, churches would be full. Church, I'm going to say this. I know I'm going to make somebody hear this somewhere and get mad when I say this. Churches have called off Sunday night services altogether. No longer Wednesday night services. No longer revival. All because we come up with excuses. The people of God are not as faithful as they once was. Hey, remember a time on Easter and Christmas? You could expect a full crowd, but now you can't even expect that. Faithfulness to God is missing in this last day that we're living. They want to have Jesus, but they don't want to commit to him. They want to date him, but they don't want to marry him. How many know there's a difference between dating and marriage? In dating, you ain't committed to nobody. In marriage, you're committed. Hello? Hello? You run around on that spouse. It's called adultery. Paul uses that analogy in the book of Romans to talk about spiritual adultery. Listen, people ain't faithful no more because there ain't no room for Jesus in this time. Listen, I got to hurry, but let me tell you. People's got placed no vacancy signs on their lives. They're telling Jesus to go out back. No longer does he have priority, but they're sending him to the back of the line. That's not being Lord of the life. When he's Lord, he's at the front, and everything else centers around him. Jesus even told us there'll be people make these excuses. They'll have their excuses why they can't be faithful. Why this? Why that? They'll have their excuses. But Jesus told it like it was. In Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And it came to pass that they went the way a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whatsoever thou goest. 
And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to lay his head. That means you're going to have to be willing to give up your household. You're going to have to be willing to give up some things. Go on. But in another said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury the dead, but let him first go Go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Verse 61, and another said also, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell which are at my home. And Jesus said unto him, No hand having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Somebody go get Marcy. Jazz, what does it tell What does it tell me? What he's talking about there is they wanted to put other things before the kingdom of God. He said they had their hand to the plow. But they started looking back and putting him back, taking their hand away from him first and looking back. And, he, and what he said there with their excuses is they're not fit for the kingdom of God. They're not fit for the kingdom of God. They're not fit for the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? The preacher didn't say that. Jesus said that. Can I tell you what is going on in this day that we're living? Let me just back up there. If they're not fit for the kingdom of God, then where's their default destination? Hell. Hell is their default destination. Listen, it's scary. There's a lot of people as professing Christians that will fall into this category. Jesus told us what causes a lot of this. You go into Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Listen to what Jesus said. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Let me tell you what the Lord should be on this. There's people falling away. It's because they've let the cares of life override him. The word that's been placed in them, these weeds begin to grow. How many, know, how many gardeners we got in here? I'm not one. My idea, garden, you plant it and bring it to me. <coughs> or going to Giants and getting it. I don't have a green thumb. But I do know this. Flower beds, gardens, if you keep the weeds in them, what's it going to do? It's going to choke the life out of those things, ain't it? This is what's happening to many today. They've allowed, the Word's been in them. But they allowed the cares of life to begin to choke them. How many know what happens if you choke somebody? Something hard. It's going to die. It's going to die. That's what Jesus is saying. They become unfruitful no more. That's the reason people fall away. It's because they allow things to take the place of him in their life. Let me tell you, they rejected him that first time. Look how they treated him at the end. And look how they treat him today. Is there really much difference in the two? No. Other than that he was a baby at that time. 
Now we know he's glorified at the right hand of the Father. But they're still rejecting him. They're still saying, Jesus, out back. I don't have time for you. I don't have this. What has happened? Here's what has happened. They've allowed their own comforts, their own pleasures, and their own lives take the place of Jesus in their life. They have made themselves a God over him. And let me explain something about idols this morning. Idols just ain't necessarily wooden statues like Buddha. An idol is anything that takes the place or precedence over the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou hast shall have no other gods before thee. Let me tell you, I'm going to be honest with you. I see it hat some in this church that it's happened to. I've seen it all the time. They've allowed the things of this world. They've allowed riches. They've allowed pleasure. They've allowed the cares of this life. And I know we got things to do. Jesus never said there was anything wrong with these. Because we all got things to take care of. How many know that? We all got to make a living. We've all enjoyed things. You enjoy deer hunting, most of you do in here. I don't, but because it's too early in the morning. Now, if I could go out there and I know I have a deer right in front of me, I could shoot it right there about 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning, I'll be all right with it. <laughs> but not no 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm more of a trout fisherman down south, I'll be honest with you. I like to fish down south. I like to get in them cold waters down there and see the biggest trout I can. I told you one time, I had one on the line that I jumped into the creek to get. I wasn't letting that thing get away because it was a trophy. I tell you, I didn't. I jumped, rod and reel quit on me. So I jumped into the creek and grabbed it, pulling the line up. He wasn't getting away. Nothing wrong with fishing. Nothing wrong with deer hunting. Until. Nothing wrong taking care of the things of life. Because we all got to. How many know that? Amen? Until. Here's where it becomes wrong. Until. It takes precedence over Christ. How many know Jesus told us? Let me give you this. Jesus said that in the days he come again, it would be as in the days of Noah. And it would be as in the days of Lot. In the days of Noah, they were eating, building, and giving in marriage until the day of the flood come and took them by surprise. Lot, they were building materialism and everything was just going on. Prosperity was ruling to the day Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. Jesus told us these two names to tell us it's in that hour that he's going to show up again. And it'll be a good thing tonight up at the fire hall. Not the fire whistle go off. I've always wanted to hear that fire whistle go off when I'm up there. I wish I could get on the set at all. But wouldn't it be something if the trump of God blowed tonight because we're eating and drinking? As far as I know, I'm going to have me a Mountain Dew up there tonight. I don't think nobody's getting married up there tonight. So <laughs> I don't think nobody wants to renew their vows, but we're, we're going to be having a good time. Christmas celebration up there. We send that time. 
He said, people wouldn't be thinking about him. He said, they'll be too busy for me. They'll be going about their everyday business. And boom, I'm going to show up, and I'm going to take them by surprise. They didn't have no time for Jesus. That's what he was saying. They ain't got no time for me. They ain't got no room for me. And that's when I'm going to show up. And when he shows up for the church, it's going to be in the twinkling of an eye. He's going to come and be gone before the world even knows it. He's going to get those. You can stand it here. I got to shut up or you. I'll be here all afternoon. My gosh, I can preach this all afternoon. How many would say today I need to make room for Jesus in my now? Let me tell you, it is a sad day. It is a sad day when people who are called by his name no longer have room for him in their end. And he's a coming. How many would say, Lord, I need to find room for you? How many would say, I'm guilty of not having the room for you? I'm guilty of not having room for you like I need to be in my life. Is there one in here this morning? I'm not, where I'm not giving you what I needed to give you. I've not done what I needed to do. I've been slack a little bit. How many would say, Lord, help me this morning to get closer to you, to draw closer to you this morning? Oh, Oh, church, I'm telling you, Holy Ghost just put in my spirit to tell the church body of Christ this real quick. Be ready, for in an hour you think not, I will show up. In an hour you think not, I'm coming. In an hour you think not. Eternity's that quick. Be ready. Be ready. He said in an hour you think not, he's a coming. Be looking. Be vigilant. Because the day of the Lord is at hand. Tell some people in here. I've got to give a warning this morning. Somebody needs to hear this. I got to give a divine warning right now. Wasn't in my notes, but I got to give a warning. God's telling me to tell some people in here, quit playing games with him. Judgment stands at the door. Get it right. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 